Every single one of us is longing for God. Every man and woman on this earth is longing for Jesus Christ. But many of us do not realize that. We think we want success. We want Jesus Christ. We think we want fame that would make us happy. We want Jesus Christ. Think we want more money. We want Jesus Christ. We think we want a heated building. No, <laughs> we want Jesus Christ. It's an illusion. And there's a very important reason why we all long for Jesus Christ, whether we realize that or not. So that's because every single one of us was made for, from the beginning, for all eternity, to be with Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of our existence. St. Paul says in the Colossians, The Lord is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created through him and all things were created for him. That's why St. Augustine would say, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Because we were created to be with Jesus Christ for all eternity. But that's a really big problem for us right now on this earth. Because we don't get to experience what we were made for. That's really the greatest suffering we have to endure in exile. The fact that I don't get to have a complete heart, a complete soul while I am here. And it's, I don't know if it ever stood out to you guys how crazy it sounds like that the Jews were constantly worshiping bulls. Right? And goats. Those were the gods of Egypt around that time. And so that's why God, when he took them into the desert, he had them actually killing them to show them that your gods bleed. They're not real gods and they cannot save you. But the greatest temptation that we have on earth while we are here is a temptation to idolatry. And idolatry for the Jews was the worshiping of false gods. But to us... It's the worship of anything that I believe. If I give this, if I give everything I can for this end, I will be happy. We make it the purpose of our life, the end for which we're going. And everything in earth, everything that we have is good. But it's all about moderation and order. And anytime I take what is good, whether it's money, whether it's health, relationships, what have you, or studies, whatever I make that an end in itself, that's idolatry. I'm now placing it above God because I'm saying this is going to make me happy. This is the end for which I was made. So in every age, in every human soul, there is a temptation to idolatry, to take our longing for what can only be given to us in eternity and look for it right now. So if you think about it in your own life, is there, has there been something dormant in your mind, something in the background that you always thought, once I get here, once I have this, then I will be happy. My life will be complete. What comes to your mind when you think about that? That's something to pray over in this Mass because that's also where the evil one will come to tempt us. Every single one of us. 
has her own temptations to idolatry in our mind. And it's where I think I will find my completion. I think in our times especially, it's love. In our times, we've made an idol of the experience of love. And that might be because also in our times, we're so fragmented through social media, right? through living in a civilization that's not very tribal. We don't have a lot of intimate communion with friends and family. We're all spread apart. So because we're made for love, we're longing for that and looking for where we can find a place at home. And then what's most dangerous about love is there's nothing on this earth that goes so close to what we are eternally created for, which is love. But when I take that eternal longing for communion and for God, and I put that on a human creature, that's where all love falls apart because it's now been an idol. And God says to us, just like he said to the Jews, now you must watch it bleed so that you know it's not an end in itself. It's not a God. And yet that's what I find so interesting is that in a time when we have idolized human love to such, such a great extent, the divorce rate has never been higher and people's desire to get married has never been lower. Marriage is a wonderful thing. It's a bedrock of society. But when it's placed above our union with God, that's when it's twisted, like everything else on this earth. I know, how many of you have ever believed in the soulmate myth? How many grew up thinking or remember being taught that there's one person on this earth that you're made to be with and you're just waiting for all the stars to align till you meet that person? One. Way to go. Okay, now we got two. How many people have ever thought that before? All right. Okay, it's been around. I got my hand up too because I was there too. I, I went to my counseling. I got through it. But it was like, it was actually really hard. So when I was growing up, I think it was because of all the movies I watched. I love books and I love movies. But within the movie realm, there's always this idea of this one that you meet. And then it's that, you know, grease lightning happily ever after as you're going on into the sunset. But that's just the beginning, right? And what I always thought was that growing up, I was like, once I get married, I will be happy. Once I have my own family and I'm just settled, everything will be good. And there's one reason, a very important reason why I had also that thought in my mind. It's because I came from a divorced household. So coming from a separated family, I projected onto marriage of like, well, this will be the salvation where I can have my, my destiny in this world, my happiness. And so what happened, it was actually a gift because it kept me, I was like, I promised God, if you just give me you know, a beautiful family, I'll live my life right. You know, and I saw all my friends when you start having premarital sex and you start being with a lot of different people, everything just kind of falls apart. And so seeing that, I was like, I don't want that to be my life. I want something that's real. But no matter who I was with at any given time, no one ever built up to the ideal of what I thought it would be. Surprise, surprise, no one was God, basically. And it was only when one day I remember coming into the chapel, it was one of the first times I realized that Jesus Christ is actually present in the Eucharist. And it was in St. Mary's Catholic Church in Moscow and I walked in there, and it was, it, was, it was as if I was looking at him for the first time in my life. Like, I actually knew I was looking at God 
and that he was looking at me from that tabernacle. And the first sense that came into my mind was the words that I later heard from St. Augustine. Like, it was you. It was always you I was looking for. That was the moment priesthood was born in me. Priesthood and consecrated life is, is the deep realization that the love that we are created for, for all eternity, is Jesus Christ. And the, the calling that comes from that, live for my love for the rest of your life in a very unique way. Every single one of us is called to that in our own life because that's our destiny. But a priest or a religious is called to live that in a very acute way, especially through celibacy. But that's what St. Augustine himself experienced, a man who loved, loved a lot of women, a lot, a lot of life. And when he found Jesus Christ, he had this wonderful saying, he said, Late have I loved you, O beauty so ancient and so new. Late have I loved you, for behold, you were within me, and I outside, and I sought you outside. And in my ugliness, I fell upon those lovely creatures that you had made. You were with me, but I was not with you. It's this realization that the love that I looked for all my life outside was actually within me all along in Jesus Christ. Versus Zacchaeus, you know, this is a man who was a chief tax collector. That means, number one, he was hated by all the Jews. He was working for the, the Romans who were subjugating the Jews, taking extra taxes from them and becoming extremely rich. And he was the chief tax collector. It means he was more ruthless than anybody else. And that means he had a great disdain for his own people, too. He had to be, to be able to live that kind of life. Right? But he had the money. He was definitely famous. He's more, maybe he's like the original notorious B.I.G. He was notorious to everybody there. And he, um, he was definitely successful. Right? So he had all these things. And yet, when he saw Jesus Christ, something arose in his heart of you're the one I was actually looking for when I was going after all these other things in this world. Jesus Christ is the love of God incarnate. So he's like a great magnet for all of our hearts. So when he walks by us, every heart that is pure is naturally attracted to the person of Jesus Christ. And Zacchaeus, the, the name Zacchaeus actually means the pure one. So even though he was so lost and seeking all these things in the world, when he saw Jesus Christ, there was a purity in his heart that was still drawn to his presence. I've seen this many times, even in confession. People will come to me and they're really dealing with a lot of struggles in their life. And they will sit there and cry over their sins. Cry because they so long to be with Jesus Christ and they hate the fact that they're falling to these different sins that are separating them from him. I always see Zacchaeus in them. A purity of heart that no matter how much they go through in this world, they do not let their hearts be defiled by sin. They still allow that pure love to draw them to Jesus Christ through everything. 
You know, maybe Zacchaeus had that same sense that St. Augustine had. Late have I loved you, O beauty, so ancient and so new. Late have I loved you. You were with me, and I was not with you. All those things in the world kept me from seeing you. There's only one word that truly encapsulates that experience of recognizing Jesus Christ in one's heart. And that's joy. So you really want to go forward from here and think about how this can affect our life. What are the things that you go after, that you do, that you have a sense of, will this make me happy? And one leaves you empty, the other one gives you joy. That's how God teaches us what he, how to come closer to him. Sin is always better in the moment. But it leaves us very empty afterwards. And that's where you have to be really attentive to where am I get, where am I sinning? Where am I missing the mark? Where am I making an idol of something in this world that when I get it, afterwards I'm empty? Versus the joy that I find when I encounter Jesus Christ. And Zacchaeus was so overcome with that joy, he was ready to give up everything else so that he could remain with Jesus Christ. The last thing we need to note is that it was not Zacchaeus so much who was seeking Christ as it was Christ who was seeking Zacchaeus. God is always the first one to act. No one can come to Mass. No one can come to confession. No one can repent of their sins in their life and draw closer to Jesus Christ if God himself wasn't first speaking to their hearts. God's always the first one to call us to himself. And it was Christ who knew that Zacchaeus would be in that area. But Zacchaeus had to respond to the coming of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing for every single one of us in the Mass here. We all know that Jesus Christ is coming here. And we've all been drawn here to listen to his word and most of all to receive him in the most holy Eucharist on this altar. And when you receive his body and blood, pray for that gift of Zacchaeus to recognize in him the answer to the deepest longings of your heart that we all might experience the joy that comes when we invite Jesus Christ into our homes. Late have I loved you, O beauty, so ancient and so new. Late have I loved you.